The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the ongoing war between Israel and Palestinians have led to mass civilian murders and multiple people being captured and held hostage. But there is no really likely end to this war anytime soon. So you wonder what further horrors the horrors the civilian population will face. To give us an insight into what's going on, I'm joined by Professor of American Studies at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin, Scott Lucas. Scott, good morning. Very good morning, Pat. Now, the first um, most remarkable thing is that this could all have been avoided if uh, the Israelis and the Americans had listened to a timely warning from the Egyptians. Well, I'm not sure it could have been prevented. Hamas would have still attacked, uh, but the Egyptians did tell the Israeli government and uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's office, after initially denying the report, then reversed and said, yes, it's true. The Egyptians said just before Saturday's attack, Hamas is going to come after you. You need to be prepared. And there was no evidence of preparations by the Israeli military and the security services against what was a very deadly onslaught by Hamas, not just with the rockets. They faced those before, but with this ground incursion, which did kill a number of Israeli military personnel, but also carried out the mass killing of civilians, overrunning kibbutzim, overrunning a music festival, killing families in their homes and in the streets. So it was a huge lapse of uh, security somewhere within the Israeli system. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that lapse, given the Egyptians said they notified the prime minister's office, it looks like the lapse stops with Prime Minister Netanyahu. And what about the the American authorities being warned by the Egyptians as well? I mean, you would have expected that the, the, you know, the alarm bells would have gone off. Well, I, again, I, I think the, the Americans have not come clean on exactly the nature of how much intelligence they were given by the Egyptians. We don't know about the communications between the Americans and the Israelis at this point. So I'm not sure, I'm not as clear in terms of where, if there was a breakdown in Washington. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's the Israeli prime minister's office that needs to act. It's the Israeli military that needs to be mobilized. Uh, it prides itself on defending the nation uh, in what has been almost an ongoing conflict since 1948. And on this occasion, it didn't happen. So the center of what failed is somewhere within Israel, even if the Americans, uh, whether or not they actually passed on the Egyptian warning in time. Yeah, I I mean, the Americans may have got the warning and uh, thought, well, you know, there are rockets being fired occasionally from Gaza into Israel. That's, uh, you know, not exactly something novel. And uh, after all, Israel has the American-provided Iron Dome system, uh, so no worries. But you'd expect that uh, somewhere in the CIA, heads are going to roll over this. Uh, Yeah, we'll see what the fallout is, Pat. But of course, the immediate issue right now is Washington's got a lot on its plate uh, with Secretary of State Blinken's visit to the region today, uh, which is number one, uh, along with much of the international community, do you pursue now uh, the sustained campaign, not just to isolate Hamas, not just to isolate the Iranian regime, but to try to push Hamas out of power? Um, the recognition here being that you're going to have cycle upon cycle of violence if Hamas remains in control of Gaza. And secondly, if you are going to push Hamas out of power, uh, how do you do it without 
mass killing of civilians by the Israelis. I mean, there's already been mass killing of Gaza civilians with the Israeli mm -hmm. retaliation. How do you limit that in the near future? How do you move to some type of ceasefire while still pursuing the goal politically, economically, uh, and on the security front mm -hmm. that, that Hamas is, is, has to go? Hamas has basically crossed that line where they carried out the mass killing, whatever the intelligence breakdown was and wherever it occurred. Mm -hmm. The question of getting to Hamas, uh, I mean, I have no doubt, given that the rockets are still being propelled out of Gaza into Israel, uh, fewer in number now, um, but they know how to look after themselves. The, the, the victims are the ordinary civilians, men, women and children who have nothing to do with Hamas or perhaps just a passing acquaintance with Hamas. They are the ones who are going to be under the Israeli bombardment. Uh, the Hamas people... They will make good their escape through tunnels or whatever. They will try to husband their resources uh, so that they can fight another day. Meantime, the civilian population suffers. Exactly. And I think you've really put that very well, Pat, because I've been trying to figure out what Hamas's endgame was by launching an attack last Saturday. Because they knew, you know, even though they achieved surprise and carried out the killing of all these civilians, as well as some Israeli troops, they knew that Israel would, would finally mobilize and hit back. And indeed, Hamas has now been effectively pushed out of southern Israel. And they knew that Israel is going to retaliate with massive bombing on a densely populated area of 2.2 million people, more than 200,000 of which have already been displaced by the Israeli bombing. And I can only put it to you that what Hamas is effectively doing is, is that unable to really deliver for Gazans on a day-to-day -day basis, in part because of the Israeli blockade, but unable to deliver housing, education, health care, a decent economy, unable to deliver a decent existence, they put the Gazan population into a state of perpetual war and say, we're your only protectors. You have to be dependent upon us. And that poses the conundrum for Israel that if you go after the Hamas leadership, who will be hunkered down, who will be underground in many cases, you will kill more civilians and you could possibly drive them further into the arms of Hamas rather than trying to separate them, cut them off from the leadership and gradually drain Hamas of support where it is isolated and finally has to go. Um, on the program uh, yesterday, the Taoiseach, Kelly of Radker, uh, said that, you know, EU countries generally forthright in their condemnation of the attacks by Hamas, but that Israel could lose that support if the response to the outrage was disproportionate. So at what point does it become disproportionate uh, if they are going in themselves? Obviously, the carpet bombing of uh, Gaza will have to stop by virtue of the fact that their own troops are on the ground. But, uh, you know, I don't know whether Israel could win brownie points by, for example, allowing water supplies to be resumed, by supplying fuel for generators so that hospitals will be with power rather than without power. I think I'd break it down with three points, Pat, and I think you've hit the core of this, which, again, is why the Secretary of State, U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is in the region. Point one, I think the message to Israel will be, look, don't go in with a ground assault. Um, first ground of all, a ground assault is extremely risky going into an urban area for the Israelis. There's no guarantee they would be successful against Hamas. Uh, it will cause an even sharper escalation in the civilian death toll if there's a ground assault, and it could widen the conflict. It could lead to 
Israel in a war with Hezbollah up to the north. It could lead to the Iranians trying to stir up uh, conflict throughout the Middle East uh, to keep the Israelis tied down and to drag the rest of the world into the conflict. Point two, all right, if no ground assault, are there limits on the Israeli air attacks? And I don't think you can expect Israel to stop the air attacks completely. Um, given the shock that they have received and the fact that they do want retribution for what has occurred. But do you try to contain the air attacks through three? And here's your key point, opening up some point for an evacuation of some of Gaza's civilians, you know, those who have already been displaced from their homes, and for humanitarian aid to get in. And the logic there is you need to open up the Rafah crossing point between Egypt and Gaza. But here's where we are, Pat. First of all, the Israelis are not so sure they want that crossing point open because they don't want Hamas fighters to escape through it. And two, Egypt does not necessarily want that crossing point open for more than six hours because they too fear that Hamas fighters would destabilize their country if they mm -hmm. cross. Uh, and so right now we're in this back and forth, which is everyone knows that there needs to be relief for Gaza civilians. But at the same time, everyone fears that it would allow Hamas an escape route if you actually provided for that security for civilians to get some aid and some assistance at this desperate time. I mean, is there any way in which they can allow an escape valve for a particular cohorts of the population, like the women and the children? Um, no, it's not to say that there wouldn't be women Hamas fighters. I'm sure there are. Uh, but by and large, uh, the leadership of that organization is probably male. So if you were to uh, allow the setting up of uh, some sort of temporary refugee camps on the Egyptian side of that crossing, at least for the moment. But I'm sure they don't want, you know, two million people flooding across into their land. Exactly. I mean, remember, Pat, that, you know, I discussed this a few days ago. You know, we've got six million Palestinians who are already refugees, the largest group of stateless people um, in world history. Um, and you know, you know, you're adding to that toll when you let these people across, even though I think you should. Uh, I would add one other feature here, Pat, which is complicating everything. And that is, remember that Hamas has taken more than 150 people hostage. Uh, and those aren't just troops. There are a lot of civilians. They're not just Israelis. There are a lot of foreign nationals. And there are children and women amongst them. So I think, yes, a starting point would be women and children coming out through that humanitarian corridor. But I also think you're seeing pressure on Hamas, which is at least let the women and children hostages go that you're holding. Um, I'm not sure that's, a, you know, that's not a, an even exchange. That's not the way it'll play out. But I think you're looking at two sides of the equation there. And uh, we heard overnight, of course, that uh, an Irish-Israeli woman, Kim Damty, has been confirmed uh, to be among the dead. She was at uh, the music festival. So many different nationalities will, be, uh, will have been caught up in all of this. Going back to what the Israelis have done, the state of siege that they have laid at Gaza, in other words, no water, no electricity, uh, no food, no resources being allowed to, to come in from the Israeli side. Um, that is really unconscionable that people should be maybe, you know, end up drinking water out of the toilet. You know, this is not acceptable. Uh, so to put it bluntly, uh, Gaza's only power plant is already out of service. So you're trying to keep hospitals running with emergency generators. Three out of five water plants are now out. Um, UN facilities have been struck. Uh, some of them are out of service. 
So we are now in a position where both Hamas and the Israeli government are holding Gazans hostage. Hamas is holding them hostage because they carried out that mass killing of Israeli civilians knowing full well that they would then shield behind the population when Israel tightened the siege and struck. And of course, Israel is doing just that. Uh, I'm just going to put it bluntly to you, Pat, both for the near future and also to prevent this cycle from occurring again. I think you have to see a change in the leadership in Gaza. Hamas does have to go. But I also think the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has to go. Until you get leaders on both sides that stop using the populations in Gaza and in Israel um, as their security blankets, where they can carry out actions against the other side with impunity, until you break that with changes of leadership at the top, you and I are just going to keep discussing this in a Groundhog's Day of man-made tragedy, death and destruction. Yeah, the problem is uh, that scenario where uh, the leadership of Hamas is rooted out. It doesn't mean that there won't be people with Hamas-like uh, inclinations uh, going forward. Uh, but if you have different political leadership and Netanyahu to go in Israel, and he's well over time anyway for all sorts of reasons about corruption and the rest of it, um, you're talking about that scenario not unfolding for quite a while before Netanyahu will be dumped by his own cabinet or by the people. If we get um, a move towards a ceasefire, um, I think, Pat, that scenario could play out quicker than we think, at least on the Israeli side. Uh, it is striking to me that Israelis, um, well, two points on Israel. First of all, there's been almost a, a complete show of solidarity for the nation. And I'm talking about Israeli Arabs as well as Jews in terms of, you know, this attack by Hamas has to be resisted. Uh, you know, there's no left versus right on this. At the same time, 56% of the Israeli population in the middle of this war are saying that Netanyahu has to resign. Uh, in fact, Netanyahu is being blamed for causing this by throwing the, uh, the Israeli system into domestic turmoil and giving Hamas an opportunity. So I think Netanyahu could be eased up on his way out. The tricky part is on the Palestinian side, because you are absolutely right. It's not enough to say that Hamas must go. You have to be able to support Palestinian groups who can finally provide security and governance for their own people, who finally are not led by corruption and economic gain, who finally are able to engage with an Israeli government in talks for a two-state solution. And it is not just a problem with Hamas. The Palestinian Authority in the West Bank has serious problems. I would say it's even bankrupt at this point. So you have to talk about this international effort through various channels to talk to Palestinians who do want to see a better existence, who do want to see civil society and say, how can we start to organize those people and put them into place while isolating and putting pressure on Hamas and on people like Mahmoud Abbas, the so-called president of the West Bank? On that note, uh, Scott Lucas is Professor of American Studies at the Clinton Institute at University College Dublin. Scott, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.